Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. Me and Brad are enjoying uh, some six-point craft ales in Brad's living room. Yeah, the sweet action. That's the my favorite action. flavor. Six-point. If you're listening to this podcast and you want to send us some beers, we will drink and talk about them. We will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're drinking and talking about them now. And Brad bought these beers. I did buy them. So yeah. At the Fine Fair. Yeah. So Fine Fair, if you want to send us some <laughs> old moldy produce we'll talk about it if you you have some expired yogurt you're throwing away (laughs) bring it on over to us oh no no they they'll sell it they don't need to throw it away (laughs) is that that's the kind of place you gotta you gotta check the dates our our fine fare here on the real east side just so you know i live on the real lower east side Yes, Brad has told me. This is my first time at Brad's. Brad has mentioned about six times to me that this is the real Lower East Side. It's the real Lower East Side. And our fine fair, which is struggling to become progressive with a sort of organic section, still has. You can. You still got to read the dates on stuff. Yeah. Because it'll be expired sometimes. Yeah. You know what, though? That's part of grocery shopping. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, I guess. You read the be dates. Aware. You check the eggs. Like... You did, you can't download it. Like you, you, you got to, I don't know. You right. got to, you, you got to be responsible eggs. for your stuff. You know what happened to me the other day? This is actually, this is such a boring story. <laughs> I bought an onion. I live next door to a grocery store. It's associated. You know that chain here? Oh yeah. It's pretty much the same deal. Pretty much the same deal. I bought this onion. I went, was making dinner. I cut it open and it was like soft and mushy inside. Ugh. And I just went back over there with my receipt. I said, <laughs> This onion is disgusting. And they said, great, grab a new onion. I did. I went home and made dinner. Never How, thought about it. Never told anyone until now I'm talking about it on the podcast. To like a whole bunch of people. But you know what? Like that was the thing. I was like, I wasn't mad at them. I was like, I should have checked this better. Yeah. Like it felt a little mushy. Mushy onion. Yeah. Can we change the, the title of this today's podcast to, to Jonah's Onions story? <laughs> This, yeah, <laughs> featuring. <laughs> All right. In contrast to my incredibly boring right, story, uh, today on the podcast is a guest I've been trying to get since going off track started way back in 2012 or something. When we started, yeah. Yeah. When we started pumping them out. Um, it's Scott Hutchinson, and he sings for a band called Frightened Rabbits. Frightened Rabbit. They're one of my favorite bands. They're from Glasgow. Um, I've seen Are them. they one of your. F- Favorite bands or one of your favorite rabbit bands? They're one of my favorite bands, I would okay. say. Um, 
And definitely your favorite rabbit band. My favorite rabbit band. Are there other ones? <laughs> okay. I feel like there was like two or three years there where they're just like really? a bunch of bad rabbits. Um, I feel like there were a lot of wolf bands. Wait, what's the other band? Like Wolf Parade, White Rabbit, and AIDS Wolf, and yeah, the wolf. There was a wolf year. I think you know they're following maybe the Chinese New Year's, the yeah. year of the wolf. Well, the year Fred of the Rabbit, rabbit formed in two thousand three, so I think they were ahead of this, um, <laughs> head of the rabbit curve, head of the rabbit curve. But they they used to when I moved to New York in two thousand seven. We sort of talk about this. They used to play. Maybe they started the rabbit. Brad, can you let me get through this? <laughs> can you can you get over the rabbit thing? Uh, I used to see them uh, a lot at places like the cake shop and pianos. They used to come through here, even though they're from Scotland. And uh, then, and I thought they were great. And then they became a really big band. And they put up my favorite record of 2016. It is called "Painting of a Panic Attack." It's great. All of their records are great. They haven't put out a record I haven't loved. Yeah, that new record is really good. After we recorded this, I listened to it. Yeah, and, and it was. It's pretty well. They're great. And the night before this podcast, I saw them play a really small show at Le Poison Rouge, which was fantastic with my friend Jenny. And uh, yeah, I've been trying to get Scott on forever. He was living upstate for a little while in Hudson. And uh, he also put out a solo record. He plays under the name Owl John a few years ago. And that record is great, too. Um, so yeah, if you like this, uh, Frightened Rebel are on tour in May. They're doing a couple shows. They're playing New York May 30th. They're playing L.A. May 25th. They're doing Australia, D.C., 930 Club. So, yeah, they're they're coming back through soon, which coming is Coming back. And hopefully they're working on a new record because they're one of, like, the few bands, I think, that consistently puts out great records that are different from each other but all kind of sound like them. It's not easy to do, Brad. I think what you're saying is you want to appeal to the same clientele that... It's but change it up. Yeah, a bit. and I had an interview with someone about this recently, where it's like you don't want to do the same thing over and over, but people are coming to you because they like this thing that you do, so you don't want to change it too much. And I think like they're a band that is good at kind of reinventing themselves, and I think the key to it, as maybe simplistic as it sounds, is just they write good fucking songs. And if you're that, at the end of the day, it's the most important thing. It's a goddamn good start. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I was so excited for Scott to come by. Um, and yeah, we really had a great time talking. So why don't you check out this podcast with Scott Hutchinson from Frightened Rabbit. It's going on I thought it was funny last night when people kept saying you should come here more. And I was remembering there was a period where you guys used to play oh. here, like in the Lower East Side. I feel like I think like we've... I feel like in like three months I saw you like four times or something. Yeah, I reckon we probably played here as much as we have in Scotland, almost. Yeah, you know, so yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, try living in Detroit. We go there like once every five years. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what was I'm trying to remember when that that was? I guess like a little while ago though, like. But there was a period I felt like when you guys were really hitting New York a lot. I mean, what was kind of going on then? Uh, well, we we were just actually taking advantage of the fact that people were getting into us here more than anywhere else. I think. Yeah, I mean, specifically New York. We we had um, this was the first city we ever played in the U.S. and we kind of did this weird thing where over the course of I guess like seven days in the city this is going way back but like we worked our way up from a basement in brooklyn to to mercury lounge you know like almost through like word of mouth or something <laughs> and then from there just like we got a lot of support from promoters here and um it just seemed to be 
snowballing. And uh, and it seemed silly not to continue to come. I think that's the, one, the thing that we found with the US is like really all you have to do is come and keep coming back to to get a, a fan base. I think I think there's a lot less onus put on whether you fit in with the current climate. It's just if you're a hard-working band and you're going to play, people are going to come. I would think in the UK, there's like, we're kind of way... We're, we're, we're way out of fashion everywhere, I think. But it's like, <laughs> maybe that doesn't matter here as much or something. Interesting. I mean, is it... What's it like? Because I feel like so much of those shows was like you kind of coming on the floor. Yeah, that's like, right. How far back are you going here? I guess. I mean, I moved here at the beginning of 2007. So I feel that's like... That's right at the start. Probably yeah. right then, yeah. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, and that kind of... Um, I guess that's something that we've tried to make work in our favor is uh is the intimacy or the feeling that there's something unique about each frightened rabbit show where it's not the same as the night before um which is actually it's not necessarily untrue um but um people have attached i think it's the case with most music but i do think because of the nature of some of the material people really absorb it into their lives and that gives a kind of unique dynamic between the band and the audience because we're so involved in their personal lives in a lot of ways. Yeah. I know that just from speaking to people. I mean, are people a lot... Like, because it seems like there's so many songs also sort of about relationships yeah. and that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, do people try to kind of use you as, like, their therapist sometimes? I think so. <laughs> it's funny, like, I've uh, someone described it to me as the, the quite a common way of getting into Frightened Rabbit is... They lose one of the most important people in their lives, and then <laughs> and then they find me. <laughs> so then, so then for like a I don't know a month or two, I um, whatever I'm singing becomes their I don't know their yeah their therapy. I don't I try not to use that word too much. People ask if it's therapy for me, and I don't think that's the case. But yeah, it's um, there's something cathartic perhaps. Yeah, about it, and that comes across in the shows as well because it's, it's. I think it still surprises me how such a bunch of sad songs can become joyful in that, you know, within that arena. Yeah, but it is like get enough people singing a sad song. It's it's true. Yeah, joy. That is yeah. <laughs> I was I was blown away last night, really, like as a musician, just by your text, because I was like, there is so much happening on this tiny stage. Yeah. And I was like, getting stressed out just watching it. <laughs> and it seems so, like, well orchestrated and everything. Yeah. They're pros. They're yeah. the real pros. Yeah. Like, they, they, they make us look good. Um, they, I guess that if I, I don't really think about it anymore, which is a good thing, because I don't, if I'm not thinking about what they're doing, um, then they're doing the job properly. Yeah, but yeah. There's, there's a, there's, you know, we're still. I guess a lot of bands larger than us would have one tech each, and that seems less, you know, stressful. But f- for us, we can't really afford that. So there's like guys doing multiple guitars right. in between songs and like handing over two at one time and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I could. They work much longer hours than us. They're the first to get in there and the last to leave. I'm sure. Kind of heroes of rock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unsung. I mean, another thing I thought was really funny last night was sort of when you were saying 
how it's strange to have drinking songs that are almost at drinking age at this point. I know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is something I just thought of recently when your songs are, are your songs have an, an, an age that means something. Because a three-year-old song, that's just a toddler. But then now, now we're talking like some of these songs are almost becoming teenagers. And, um, and they're still alive. I know they are, yeah, and I'm worried about them just becoming obstreperous and uh it it it's weird that a couple of weeks ago we were playing a festival in Minneapolis, and an interviewer said, "So you guys are one of the most experienced bands on this bill, and I was like, that's another way of saying oldest right right and uh and it's and it struck me then like yeah, most bills festival bills we play on now, we are amongst the the elders. Which is weird. Yeah. Because this whole thing can m- fools you into thinking you're still young. Right. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm not really. It keeps you young, man, from what I can tell. Keeps you, keeps you young in the brain and physically ancient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you have to kind of, you don't have the same, uh, well, the te- the guitar techs, etc., being an example of how people just do shit for you all the time. Right. And it's not a really good way to become an adult, a, fu- a functioning adult. Yeah. In the, in the way that I, I'm jealous of people who just have their have just have their shit together, and because I, I spend a lot of my life like being told go here, do this, as in right now, <laughs> I did. I made my own way here. Yes, you did. <laughs> but there was a time when you were lugging your own guitars and amps around. This is true. So surely true. you can remember that. I can, I can actually. Um, I guess, yeah. And comparatively, perhaps, had we? I mean, I really only started touring when I was twenty-six. So there were a few years before that where a lot of bands. If you, I, I wouldn't. I can't imagine what kind of asshole I'd be if I made it when I was nineteen. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> if you went straight on a tour bus at nineteen, you might, you might have problems. Yeah, I think so. Healing, and I have some as it is. It but yeah, no, I guess, I guess I can. I need to appreciate that, but. Um, it still, it still doesn't allow me to be comparable to most thirty-five-year-olds. I'm alright with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I f- I feel like I had this thing happen this morning where like I went to go like put the sweater on, and it's like just start getting cool out here, and I saw like moths had like eaten like this whole arm of this like really nice Ben Sherman <laughs> sweater. I don't have very much nice clothes, and yeah. I was like. I had this, I got real down. I was like, you can't even store a sweater right. Like, you can't do anything right. right. What's wrong with you? You you just turned 37 years old. And I got so depressed. I was like so bummed out. And I was like, I did this interview. Yeah, no, it's simple things like that. You just assume that other people have that sorted out. Exactly. That would never happen to someone else. Exactly. Well, guess what? It would happen to me. So you're all right. Right. Yeah. It's always the simple things. Yeah. I I congratulated myself for finding a new apartment. But that's just a general basic life skill is to find somewhere to live. And I was really happy with myself when I did it. You yeah. know, whenever whenever you do something as simple as that, yeah. um, it seems like an achievement to me. No, that's good. That's a good oh, attitude. It's primeval, man. It's like finding is that a, a new cave. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I feel like I'd never pay attention to the achievement. I'm like, oh, I did this cool thing. That's fine. But like, look at this thing I fucked up that's real minor. I'm going to focus on that. That's a really good point, actually. I think yeah, there are, there are things that I just take for granted. They, you know, someone to complete a tour of the United States that would be a, a major thing. Like I just I I don't even think about that. But I'm really happy that I found good coffee yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> always a little. You yeah. celebrate 
puns, puns, yeah, puns make <laughs> you me celebrate very happy. tiny things. Yeah. It's okay to celebrate small yeah. things. It's good, man. I think it's it's important to celebrate the big things, like completing a tour or an it's, album. And yeah. you're usually so exhausted that you forget to. Yeah, That's the problem. Also, you're, you're, you're there's always a sort of there's a critical aspect to those things where you complete an album or a tour and then you figure out how you could have done it better. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think. Uh, I think tiny victories are actually the way to go. Yeah, yeah, lots and lots of tiny ones. So you, obviously, you're from Scotland, yeah. and then um, when you were doing, I was watching interviews with you during the Owl John, stuff, yeah, and you were in Los Angeles. I was for eighteen months. For eighteen months, mm. and then I saw on Twitter that you were in Hudson. Yeah, I was for like a few months and there, and I was like, "Scott's in Hudson. We should do an interview." And they're like, "Oh, he's back in Scotland." Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> and not to get too personal, but no. I mean, I was just curious. It just. What it's yeah, uh, my girlfriend Courtney, who lives in Hudson, who lived in LA with me, uh, yeah, she and I just had a little uh, roller coaster ride. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm really happy now. We're, Good. We both are, and I'm going back up to Hudson after this. Hudson, uh, New York. That's right. Yeah. How is it? I I mean, I've been there a few times. I'm I'm locked into this city, but I fantasize about a house. Well, backyard. yeah, yeah, I know. If, well, I know a few people up there who have property, and it seems like it comes with a lake as standard. It's <laughs> oh just my like, God. A, yeah, that sounds. Yeah, good. if you don't have a lake up there, then you're you're basically trash. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, but it's uh, nice, right? There's a lot of like cool people moving up there. Yeah, definitely. There's a good arts and music yeah. community. Um, I I did really love it up there. I'd go back. Um, it's it seems like certainly the main kind of hub of Thailand is like a is like a Brooklyn neighborhood supplanted in the country. So right. um it definitely has, good, it has all the good things. Brooklyn neighborhood or like a good a, one, yeah, yeah, annoying yeah. Brooklyn neighborhood. Ooh. No, but <laughs> it could like, be borderline. <laughs> I, I do feel like the most annoying parts of Brooklyn for me are like twenty two year olds. Yeah. Or like they're just drunk kids. I guess like they're not gonna be in they're Hudson. They're not gonna be yeah. they're not gonna want to go to Hudson. No, no. This is like uh this is kind of older antique dealers and oh, okay. uh and yeah just like good coffee shops not not too many uh top knots it's okay <laughs> oh, okay is it what's i've never been to scotland is it is it a similar vibe at all or not really it is it i is. i think uh, well one of the things about la that didn't click with me is the fact that growing up being a going to college in Glasgow and then moving to Edinburgh, these are small communities. Even though they're they're Scotland's major cities, um, they're they're not big places. So it's like I just found the lack of community in LA kind of disconcerting. Yeah, it's hard in such a sprawl. New Yorkers have the same problem when we move there. I mean, some yeah. of, a lot of New Yorkers move there so many. to disconnect uh, purposefully. I could see that, i.e., to clean up and um, sure. But like I moved there once, and I it was the same thing. I didn't, I couldn't deal with it. No, I mean I got healthier. I think yeah. there, <laughs> there was that, but like I was bored in yeah. a way. Um, so yeah, in back in Scotland, there is this dangerous kind of, especially since there's such a drinking culture there. There's like the whole the, the whole thing about a big Tuesday night, which no one should really be having, but <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's just always possible to early. go find someone to get hammered with yeah um and that ended up doing me no favors so i i I just trying to find the right balance now between enjoying living in scotland and not enjoying it too much right yeah (laughs) i mean how would you say because like obviously the new record like 
wish I was sober. And I'll, there's so many drinking is such a common yeah. theme in the music. I mean, is that something that you like go back and forth with? Is it something you think about a lot? Has it slowed down as you've gotten older? Because that's something like I feel like I was drinking a lot in New York. It's so easy yeah. here. You're not driving. And then I feel like as I've gotten older, like I realized my body just can't. Yeah, I just had. Um, well, I guess I could say completed. Maybe that's not the right word, but two months of sobriety, and it was awesome. And it was something that, again, going back to like feeling like I'm a proper adult. That was something that I wanted just to prove to myself that I could do because I don't want to. I don't. The, I don't want to call myself an alcoholic for the reason that I don't want to give up drinking. <laughs> right. So I don't want to be in a position where I feel like I, I, I need it. But there have been points where um, I think with anxiety and especially on tour, it can be particularly, you know, pushed to the front, um, anxiety and depression. Like I, I was definitely medicating myself with booze and um, that's when it starts to get uh, dangerous. Yeah. But, I, I you know, I think I, having done two months without it, I now I realize I can... I can live with that. Yeah, which yeah. is, good. Which is I mean, nice to know. I, I just did two months. Too. I'm on, still on two months, I guess. It's important That's great, to take yeah, those breaks. Pretty, yeah, it is pretty good. Just to prove that you can do it. I The craziest thing to me, like, aside from the health, my, the health thing, I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I haven't been to an ATM in like two months. <laughs> when oh. I was drinking, I felt like I was at this thing every night. <laughs> yeah. I think over the, I, I, I got to New York and, and, and started again right just for a couple of days because it was the end of the tour and we were all like very happy about it i think i've spent more in the past three days than i have in the last like month yeah it's for ins- sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know what else i've noticed too which is so fun i was telling someone it's like i'll go to yoga whatever i'll like want to buy a smoothie it'll be like seven dollars i'll be like oh this is too expensive i'll spend seven dollars on a shitty beer never think about it again <laughs> like of course yeah no problem yeah Absolutely, drop eighty bucks on a night out that you won't even remember and didn't really enjoy. Totally, yeah, that kind of thing. I, d- I don't miss that at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been like a a month or two of real clarity. Yeah, which is uh, and also realizing that I'm I don't require it a to play a show or b to go out and, and enjoy the company of others. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you definitely. It's really important to prove that. I think that yeah, the hardest is fucking hanging out in a bar with. Hardest part is hanging out late in a bar because then you can't communicate with everybody else because they're on another fucking yeah they are level of communication that is not that exciting they are they're annoying and I, it's, <laughs> it, I, the thing that struck me was I saw myself in them and realized I'm that annoying guy yeah. sometimes <laughs> and that's that's you know terrible to see that um, you know a, a, like that mirror of your own actions in front of you right. whilst you're sober but I would recommend like. The 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 non-alcoholic beer is like a real placebo. Yeah, really. Yeah, it works. It's almost like the act of opening it, even even in itself, like opening a can, right. and smelling it, is enough to trick oh, your I brain. It. It's I've, like it's really. I've done enough shitty drugs to know that that actually works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it does. It's white. Okay. <laughs> Part. <laughs> so. um one of the songs you guys played last night too, uh, second song, Holy. Oh yeah. Um, to me, like that song is so. I think it's such a great song. It's sort of content-wise seems very different from a lot of the other. Yeah. Content in a way, it's it's. I mean, it seems personal, but it also is obviously targeted towards religion. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's definitely aspects of religion creep in. 
mainly because they're they're it's a very fast track to a certain type of image you know the certain type of imagery really has strength you know like people just whether you're religious or not religious imagery still resonates somehow because you're just around it a lot right um so yeah holy being less about a relationship with another person more about my relationship with the world i guess and talking about actually talking about being a bit of a failure but that being how you know how i navigate life is mistakes learning another mistake maybe learn a little more is it like when you're writing something like that are you are you like man i gotta write a song today or is it like are you sitting on the train like how because to me like that's do you have to get in like a reflective kind of like mindset yeah i I definitely have to sit down songs don't come to me on a daily basis or anything i think the my mind has to be open to it I don't I'm not one of these writers that that needs to write all the time. Um I think I would rather write about something that has happened a little while ago because that allows you to give a song a beginning, middle and end. And I think there's there's danger when you're writing about the kind of things that I put into songs, there's a danger of it being like very much like a diary entry which can be it's 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 it's, it's not as conclusive as I think. I think it's important to have to tie up a song. Um, you know, one one way I describe it is is putting is putting a neat frame on a very messy picture, um, and I don't think you can do that in the moment. So yeah, it's it's definitely a reflective thing for me. Something that's happened before uh, that I can then you know have enough distance to perceive it. Is there any? Do you ever get concerned? Sort of, because I, I feel like I have whether you're a fiction writer or songwriter, when you're being so kind of personal and honest that you're like, I want to put this in, but this person's going to know it's about them and it's going to hurt their feelings. Or do you yeah. sort of not have to think about that? Yeah. You ha- well, it, it's it's difficult when you're sitting writing it and they're sat right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's not, and, and it, uh, for example, on this, this latest record, you know, I was, I started off trying, as I often do, started off trying to, um, write a concept album i thought that would be smart i think it would be fun i still want to do that i do want to do it but it's not the right time (laughs) there's never been a successful one today i know i know (laughs) but we all want to fucking do it i I know i'd made up this town yeah like i made a name for it and everything and and i was gonna do there were gonna be characters and i just just don't write well like that i would love to be good at you know it was almost a prove myself as a versatile writer but and not just go back on what i what i come to see as cliches within my writing but at the same time i i'd i'd been talking to my brother the drummer about the songs and he'd been kind of tiptoeing around it before finally saying these songs are shit (laughs) (laughs) and he was right and it's hard because you know you know I think the instinct is to censor yourself a little because it's, um, I think going back to like 2007, we didn't really have an audience that, you know, that was that large. So it didn't seem like such an issue, but now it's like, I'm I'm doing stuff like this. I'm talking about myself in a much more public way. 
And that's when it becomes harder to to be so open and honest. But there is, what was it, the start of the, the last Nick Cave movie where he said, my wife and I have a an agreement, like, he's a cannibal <laughs> who eats their life. <laughs> that's he feeds <laughs> off their life and they and they just she has to kind of accept that so i'm lucky i have an understanding girlfriend and but i think what i've been able to do now is is at least not use the writing entirely as my outlet you know it used to be that yeah i would only write <laughs> i would only put my feelings in song and now i've got hopefully better at communicating in a normal fashion right which was the upsetting thing before. So there wasn't anything in these songs, say, for instance, in the new record, that we hadn't talked about. Okay. But I was just putting it in a different way. Yeah. And then there's always, like, I feel like from fans, there's always, like, this, like, kind of mentality where it's like, oh, I hope Scott doesn't get happy because then he won't be writing songs. That are <laughs> yeah, good, there like. is. <laughs> <laughs> but like you say, like, there's always, there's always going to be that sweater that got eaten by a moth. You know, there, that, that's, a, that's a really... It's a really nice sort of metaphor for the way that I think my brain works is I tend towards the disastrous in a lot of ways anyway. So um, whether I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm content right now, but there's always something. And, you know, there's, there's, there's always a I think it's a Scottish pessimism. There's, you know, I, I think I feel, I remember, I remember when I was a kid, um, when things were very, very happy in my household I felt nauseous, <laughs> like it was upsetting somehow to, to to that absolute comfort and like fe- even at the age of five or six, thinking this is just the precursor to something going wrong, <laughs> and I still have that. Yeah, like I don't feel that comfortable with. You can't get too happy. You're afraid it's uh, gonna turn. Yeah, well, it's gonna, isn't it? <laughs> Tell me, it won't. <laughs> well, some, of us, some of us just t- are in denial. Maybe so. Maybe that would be in- yeah. Um, are you happy? Yeah, are you happy, Brad? Am I happy right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm happy right now. That's a really Just good way moment. to, but that's a good way to live, though. I guess I've been trying to do a lot more of that, that kind of mindfulness, living in the moment thing. Yeah. Um, I've got two young kids, and I try. I look at them and think, like, because they're happy, and then two minutes later, they're it's tragedy. Yeah. It's the fucking worst thing on the earth. So I, I try to kind of live a little bit more in the. Because especially when you come home and you've only got a couple hours to hang out with them. Yeah. You're like, you got to embrace it. You got to stop thinking about what the f- ever you've been thinking about all day. Mm-hmm. And just be like, you're, so you got to turn it on and off. Because that doesn't matter to, them, to yeah. them, like the things that you've been doing all. Yeah. So you got to turn off. And I've learned to do that. Yeah. Turn off. So should I just pretend I have kids? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That kind of thing can totally work. You know, I heard, who That's are we it. interviewing who said something <laughs> that I've, I can't, I've, to, this was like four months ago and I still think about it and I still think about how to do it. It was, <clears throat> I can't remember who it was, but he said, I try to, I try to live like I'm drunk. Mm. Do you remember that? No. Who was this? It was one of our podcasts. What do you mean? Live- he was like, I try to act like, he's like, it's somebody who obviously didn't have a drinking problem because we kind of talked about that a little bit. And I don't think he even really drank that much. But he would look around at his friends and the way when they were drunk, how joyful they would be and how they would just kind of like be more spontaneous. And he was like, I try to, I want to try to like bring that into my life and act like I'm, and like, just like lose like, um, 
inhibitions, you know, yeah. which is what, and I kind of keep, I've thought about it. Like if you could do that, if you could like, I mean, cause that's essentially what kids are is they're little drunk people. Yeah. They are. yeah. <laughs> I sometimes wish I see people who are, who act kind of like that where, um, because the consequences of most basic actions, like, you know, picking up a candy bar from the store and not paying for it and walking out. Like, that's not really that bad, but I I couldn't do that. Right? Yeah. But I know a lot of people who are just like, I'm what, fuck it, whatever. I'll, I'll go into the store and like take a, they'll, they'll just immediately get a drink and finish it whilst they walk around the store. Right. My, my girlfriend does this. Oh, really? I'm just like, what are you going to do with that? She's like, I'm going to put it right there and not, <laughs> not tell anyone that I got it. Uh, but those kind that that kind of, What's the worst thing that's going to happen there? Someone's going to go, are you going to pay for that? Yeah, and then right. she'll go, yeah, okay, fine. But uh, the best <laughs> thing that's going to happen is she just gets away with it and goes on with her day. And I, I I, can see that attitude in other people and I can't bring myself right. to do it. I guess I worry too much. I feel like I. it's also <laughs> something I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten more like that. Like I feel like I would do stuff in college, like stuff like that all the time. Yeah. And now I'm like, yeah. I have no, to order do. a pizza. I'm like, oh my God, I got to like order this thing. I got to like talk to this person. Yeah, d- yeah don't, don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Dude, I mean, God, I did, I did terrible things when I was <laughs> teens and 20s, man. I mean, yeah. not terrible. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. You're here, you're, you're, yeah. you're not in yeah. prison. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if that's just part of getting older. You think about stuff too much. You think about consequences and you've had things happen to you. I mean, like I would, you know, God, when I was in my early 20s, I would do whatever I could to get a fucking, to steal a drink from a bar. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like to get a free drink, mm-hmm. to fucking, if you're sitting at the end of the bar and the bartender turns around, if you could reach a bottle and pour yourself a shot, you would fucking do it. It was like, it was almost like a contest. Yeah. Right? It didn't matter as much. And I think what we're experiencing is the middle part before we get to like 60 and not give a shit again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, yeah. that's why I'm looking forward to being old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can really get away with <laughs> oh, anything. <yeah. laughs> but we got to wait it out. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you sort of like, so you finished a tour last night yep. um, and then sort of um, you'll be in Hudson and then are you going to start writing again or how does yeah. that work? Do you think you'll do more <clears throat> Owl John stuff or, or Frightened Rabbit stuff or sort of figure it out? Well, yeah, I think there's a, a couple of things that we want to start. Um, we took, there was three years in between the last two records. Okay. That was too long. So we got to start. I, we we don't usually take time, or we actually don't usually have time in the midst of tour to write. But we now have like a month. Um, <clears throat> and I was last. So last time I was obviously living in LA. I'm now living like 15 minutes from the studio that the guys work in in Glasgow. So that's going to make things easier. And there's just like there's a few other things. I think it's important at this stage, like five albums in, and one solo record, but to to just broaden the horizon a little beyond because the band can become this all-encompassing thing and you don't feel like you have other facets to your life so there's there's just things that you know i'd like to look into making making a soundtrack for something or um you know just working with someone unexpected you know trying to get out of the comfort zone that's a really important thing when you tour and people applaud and everyone's like, you know, congratulating you. And then you can get too caught up in that being, you know, the right thing to do. And I think the important thing, something like Earl John was a, a kind of interesting 
I guess it was just an experiment to see if you take me out of those conditions, like what happens um, if you free, if you don't have any commercial or critical expectations, like what, what kind of record do you make? And um, and I'd like to do a lot more of that, you know, where it's it can't be judged. I mean, Al John, some of those songs probably could have been on a Frightened Rabbit record, but I'd like to take it, that idea further in that you, this thing can't be judged next to the other things that I've done. But that's yet to happen, so we'll see. Are you still doing, I remember when that came out, kind of being on your site and there was all this sort of art you'd created and yeah. illustrations. Is that something that you still do a lot of? I do. I try and do it as much as I can. Like, that's a <clears throat> that's a really sort of helpful, because that's, that's technically the only thing I'm trained to do is to, uh, I did my degree at the Glasgow School of Art uh, in illustration um but quickly kind of through the course of those four years i think i just got a little disillusioned with how much uh you know it's just bullshit a lot of it you know it's it's it's, it's <laughs> art <laughs> yeah. really believe it or not yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very again it's like you, you become institutionalized in 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 what is perceived to be a very free and creative way but it's actually you're you're still institutionalized you're part of a system that's um you know again self-congratulatory and has very little bearing on the outside world you know you're just like in this bubble where you're allowed to create what as you see fit but it has no it doesn't help you <laughs> right I, I believe it helps like your mind i still apply things that i learned back then to what i do now whether it be you know making music or making friends or any anything you know but um but ultimately i found that kind of fake aspect of it that drove me into music because it doesn't feel fake to me like there's something very genuine about what i found in lyric writing um to be a much more um barrier free mode of expression whereas the the art kind of i just felt like i was pretending to be someone else and then now I can just draw freely as I, as I wish without, again, without any thought for critical reception or anything. So it's a really kind of, it's a pleasant hobby now, I'd call it. Yeah, It's a good exercise for the mind. Too. Definitely. I mean, yeah, it can free you up for, it'll, it'll just can kind of, you know, you get outside of your, you stop worrying about writing lyrics. You do some yeah. drawing, some figure drawing, whatever, and like it'll just reset your your creative sort of like mindset, you know. Yeah, it's almost meditative sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's like a sort of trance state in a way. It's like you know, um, you know, something funny they they did a study where they found that uh, doodling helps you concentrate. Right, really. people that doodle, like having a conversation on the phone or being on like. You know, I think they did. I think a part of the, a lot of the study was like, you know, people doing conference calls. Which, if you've ever done a fucking conference call, you realize like it's so easy to just completely I lose. Doing today, <laughs> you got one? Yeah, I got one. Twelve fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> anytime I've been on a conference call with more than like three or four people, I I couldn't. I completely lose. But they, but like they would study people who doodled. They totally were like paying. They could they could remember more. I that's interesting. I think that would maybe because generally a conference call in particular i'm 
usually on the phone, like wondering when it's going to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, but maybe if you had something else occupying you, then you wouldn't. You'd be more in the moment yeah. and like able and to tolerate it. And you can actually it. remember it too. Yeah, that's yeah. the most okay, important that's part. Give it a shot. Yeah, Most of the time, I, will. I just mute myself and just do something. Because I feel like whenever I'm on conference call, I never have anything to say. No. If you hear your name, you can yeah. come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been busted a few times, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's, uh, no, I think that's a great idea. Uh, Brad, we asked what your phone number was. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> so uh, did you at one point want to do kind of fine art type stuff? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was again it was this for the first two years of college i was pretty set on that um it was it was studying illustration but the you know we were taking we were taking illustration as anything you can see so it wasn't necessarily like i think a lot of people think it was like kind of comic book art or something but it wasn't really like that at all and i was um i was really interested in you know doing exhibitions and um being involved in that world um but but yeah like i said being in glasgow in particular you know i was going to see i was going to see great bands in small venues down the street you know that that kind of changes that changed my perception of what it takes to be in a band because growing up i think it, i came from a smaller town I, my dad refused to get the internet in the house so my my I, you know what i was consuming was basically television and whatever cds i could get in the woolworths you know five miles from my house and it wasn't a very it wasn't a very like open field and so to me being in a band was impossible until i got to glasgow and realized ah you can just you just need some basic equipment and a few people in a room um so that kind of opened me up to to all that and turned and turned me away from fine art which i found yeah the community just the community in, within the art school was really i would go to parties on the weekend and have a what i thought was a meaningful long conversation with someone and then they completely ignore me on monday and it was this like <laughs> horrible like cool no yeah it was like it was <clears throat> it was uber um just too cool and, 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 I, and i hate it yeah yeah in the end was um, was your brother always like such a, like a beast on the drums? Like where you? Yeah, you, you know, should, dude. It, it, that show last <laughs> night is, is like it's, it, he is like impossible not to watch. I mean, it's yeah. so. It's I don't. A, I don't get to see him that often because yeah. I've got my back yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, yeah. I mean, uh, grants that we we could go deeper into it, but I'm certain this is why he's such a performer is like you know he's the youngest child he had two elder brothers who were successful at various things and he's just been like he's been fighting for attention his whole life and that's why that's why he drums and that's why he drums like an animal (laughs) (laughs) like like animal you know it's yeah no it's uh i think it's a it's a really it's an amazing like extra dimension to to the show that a lot of people i think a lot of people expect us to be kind of sad live right. and uh and it's hopefully quite the opposite yeah i think it is but i think that's a very specific like i feel like there's people 
that are good at drums. Like, I always think people that are good at drums are kind of people that are real coordinator, kind of good at everything. Like, yeah. They're like, oh, I can play darts. Like, oh, I'm amazing at this. Anyway, oh, he is like, really good at stuff. That's yeah. the thing. Like, he's got nothing to worry about. But yeah. he had this, he had this, like, uh, he definitely had a complex about it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes him quite explosive. And, <laughs> and, and I think it's for him, I mean, maybe similarly to me, it's like, uh, it's like his outlet. Yeah, you know it's very like the physicality of it. Just it's it's a, it's got to be a workout, but also it's like you can I can see sometimes he's he's venting on the drum kit. Right. You know, yeah. Except yeah. he gets to turn it off when he gets off stage. He does. <coughs> yeah, Always been no, jealous I, of drummers for that reason. What do you mean? <laughs> they just get to get up there, you fucking blow it out, and then you get off. You don't have to think about anything. It's, you're like the front man. You've got to go talk to people. You got to, you know, you're always probably you're totally writing, right. worrying about writing a song. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think, I think a drummer probably. I know that he. he Why do you think drummers and bass players get more ass? <laughs> yeah, probably right. Yeah, no worries. They're no um, Yeah, I think he probably evaluates shows in a really different way to me as well. You know, like, you know, he's got, he's got a very basic thing that he does. Yeah. I don't mean that. That's that sounds like a, you know, I'm not. I'm not playing it down. I think that it's like a that's why it's a so complex f- in its that's own right. That's why there's right, so but, few good ones. We all right. know there's very few good drummers. Yeah. It's because it's so fucking simple. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I envy that. I would. I would actually love. I would love for just one tour to to go out with a band and just be their guitar player, because the 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 onus of 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 everything kind of hinging on often on how I feel as well. Right, because it it resonates around the band. If I don't feel like you know, if I can't be fucked, you know, <laughs> and it happens. But uh, I would love to just not, you know, to, to experience a live show without it hinging on my performance too right. much. You know, yeah, that makes sense. I also, for me, I would think the hardest part would just be like the kind of like in between song stuff. Like, you I mean it seems very natural to you doing it a long time, but I feel like I that that to me seems terrifying. Yeah, initially, I did, I, I wasn't really. It wasn't really until we had a couple of really awful shows, um, which which were they were they were an awful show back when you're starting doesn't make any difference, but when you're actually getting somewhere and you have a bad one, maybe there's a couple of label guys there or something, then that's when it starts to get to you. But I realized like fairly early on that I could I could turn a bad show around a, a, a show that sounded awful. I could I could I could turn it around with some just stupid jokes. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing and I think I think the expectation is again we were talking about how people expect this to be sad. I think because you know I could talk about I think last night was there was something about jerking off in front of Trump Tower. That's maybe <laughs> that surprise <laughs> element is kind of like arresting in a way, you know. It was really funny because I felt like everyone was like on board, and then and then, Scott, and then Scott's like, "Yeah, my ejaculate is there right now." <laughs> <laughs> like people were still on board, and some people were like, "Okay, what? all right." <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I kind of like I kind of like fuck with people in that way because it's like there's this because then you can say something like that and go right into this deep and meaningful song. <laughs> totally, and I kind of enjoy that sort of that contrast. But um, but yeah, it's 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 not something that. I had to work that hard on. I think it's um, it's refreshing to be a character. It's actually a break from yourself in a lot of ways, is to to pretend to be someone else. Because it's like you know, I'm not really that 
effusive in 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 on a day, daily basis but um yeah i kind of enjoy that pretending aspect of it yeah i mean i think a lot of people musicians i know that write a lot of sad songs you hang out with them and they're super goofy yeah and it's not you can't be that way all the time impossible like. yeah 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 uh I, I probably the same with like comedians yeah i actually found in la like we I definitely i didn't meet that many musicians but i found that a lot of stand-ups really like frightened rabbit and I, and I, it's maybe it's the tragi- oh. the tragedy aspect of it as yeah. well um yeah, it's like I did a lot of shows at a place called Largo. Yeah. Which is, it, yeah, you know, there was, it was me and then a bunch of stand-ups. And, and it kind of it kind of made sense, you know, because there are, I guess, um, one of them described it as like, your your songs kind of have punchlines. They're not, <laughs> they're not like laugh out loud punchlines, but there's like, a, you know, there's a, there's a kick in the teeth at some point. Yeah, that's true. Just how you maybe construct a joke anyway. Yeah. So the, the 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 talking is kind of just an extension of that. Definitely. I mean, is it hard to so, I mean to sort of translate that like as you guys play bigger play like obviously like last time you guys came through you play like Terminal 5 or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It is. I think I'm also aware that in in those circumstances like last night in a whatever 600 people there, that's going to be your core. Right. And they're kind of on board anyway, but then when you get to 3000 then it's just naturally a broader so so something like the 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 ejaculating thing is more difficult to <laughs> to get across but whatever i don't know i mean it's like it, it, that's just a learning curve but right. you know uh you you just maybe broader strokes right. with everything and it's the same at festivals like i think how was that festival you guys just played cuz you kind of made a comment you were like oh, two yeah. guitar bands and it was pretty all, much yeah i think it was like it was us and Savages were the two guitar bands, you know, and uh, but that's kind of the way I've noticed it really more markedly this year, for whatever reason that uh, hip hop, EDM are the ticket sellers at festivals, and it's like it can't be avoided unless you're doing some sort of cool boutique thing, and I, I don't I don't mind that. Like I, I'm I'm happy to be on that bill. Like it's, eclecticism is you know is to be celebrated but um yeah it's it's weird guitars are not that in right now <laughs> um i guess it's like like you're saying so a guitar band needs a lot of equipment bunch of people working for them a rapper needs a sound system and a guy pretending to play stuff behind yeah. you know like the production <clears throat> is is more cost effective i don't know yeah like it's just a hassle to be yeah. in a band sometimes I, I wish i actually i did i did i write i wrote an article for a magazine in in the uk about 10 reasons why i wish i was a rapper because <laughs> it just seems like a much better life yeah <laughs> in every respect like you know you can you can be late nobody i couldn't be late yeah, I w- I don't think I get that many chances, right? You know, at life, you know, I wouldn't I w- before people are just like, I'm not going to buy a ticket, or just be like Marky Smith from the Fall, you know, I'd be, I would be, you know, reprimanded. But you know, you can get, I think you can get away with a lot. Um, yeah, I dug my own grave. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, sort of what you were saying about comedians. Like my sister's a comedian, yeah, and uh, she has a lot of college gigs, and she'll do stuff and. Yeah, no text, no lighting. <laughs> it's like her and a microphone. You're just talking, and then like that's, that's amazing. It. Like yeah, 
It's great. I mean, you could you could uh, you could drive yourself to the yeah. show. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's like insane. I really wish. And now and now that comedians are, you know, they're hitting arenas. Yeah, that blows my mind. When like someone's doing like five nights at Mad- like Louis C.K. or something, you know, five nights at Madison Square Garden, like. The hell is it? <laughs> What's the profit margin on Dude, that it's shit? It's gotta yeah. be insane. My <laughs> shows up and picks up a microphone. My sister was in a movie with Amy Schumer, and Amy Schumer did a show opening for Madonna at Madison Square Garden last right. year, and we yeah. went, and it was like, yeah, it's fucking insane. <laughs> it's yeah, I and people were so into it. Like I was, they like, are a comedian yeah. opening for Madonna, like this. And the Madonna show is like Cirque du Soleil. I mean, it's like oh, yeah. the most. And I was like, someone just standing there with a the microphone, and she like everyone was on board. Wow. Yeah, apart. Someone was telling me this is this is kind of maybe about eight years ago now. But one of the reasons why that became possible is like that the, you know, the technology actually wasn't good enough for everyone in an arena to hear what they were saying. Wow. Now it's like with digital stuff, it's like actually it's improved enough that before maybe ten years ago it wouldn't have even been right audible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's. Really I have always thought it was a good. You know, because the opening well, openers never get any respect anyway. You know what I mean? It's almost better to like not try to figure out. It's, you know, so much thought or maybe no thought gets put into like who's going to open on this tour for this artist, you know? And it's yeah, like, I, and it's often a mismatch. It's often politics. It's like sometimes putting a comedian up there probably makes a ton of sense because it just completely removes genre and like. Well, it means that Madonna doesn't have to like. Compete. They don't have to. Well, they don't have to. They don't have to like, like you say. Like if you have, if you got a band going on before you, you got to take their hats yeah, right, off, right. and then like that's another half hour. Like, yeah, Amy Schumer can leave the stage, and Madonna can essentially be right on. Yeah, immediately. You after. guys are smart. You had a two piece open for you last night. Try. We that's, try to keep it minimal. minimal. We try to keep it minimal. But uh, yeah, I was listening to an interview with Bobcat Goldthwait, and he opened for Nirvana, like on one of their tours. Really? They had him? Yeah, and he had all these crazy stories about it. Really? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I could check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, there's definitely like a, there's a um, a guy called Stuart Lee from the UK. He's a great comedian. He used to open for the fall and stuff. I think that's just like again, that's a that's a variety thing. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. brings back the variety to a show. Whereas, like, I do think there's been a, I think the trend has been bucked recently because people can't afford to put a shitty band on before them anymore you know it has to be kind of right. usually it has to be kind of you know worth some it adds an extra worth to the show whereas i remember when i was going to see stuff when i was in high school or college people would almost purposely put a terrible band on to make them look better but that's, right. that's in the heyday when people were really <laughs> spending money on shows you know or just going to see the main band for arenas but, though it doesn't yeah, they don't need the draw as much. That's where I think it gets abused the most. But yeah, yeah for a small for club shows or yeah, I think like, you, you know we need, always try and almost put on a double bill or something with yeah. a lot of our with a lot of our tours. It's 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 just more fun. Yeah, I'd also love I'd I'd love to tour with a comedian because it'd be fun. Like I'd want to see it. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, I'd give you something. Yeah. What were the like? What were some of the bands in sort of high school and stuff? Like, did you ever get into like? I was like real obsessed with like No Effects and all like that, like California skate punk. I mean, what sort of informed kind of your early? It's not. It's not cool. Like, I... <laughs> good. It's not cool. And these are the these are the these are the people that 
these are the bands that I would get nervous of if I was going to meet. Okay, okay, so oh, Pearl Jam, right? Big one for me. Um, Green Day, unfortunately, you know, for better or worse. Hey, but man, I told I you, like, Green this Day. is what this is all. You know, no internet. Uh, my dad claimed that one day in the near future, this is when I was like fifteen, uh, the internet would be free for all. And he, <laughs> and he was like, until it's free. I'm not going to get it for you. <laughs> so we didn't have it. So uh, I would just go to the, the local store. And uh, what else was like, you know, the Stone Roses, the Charlatans, a lot of that kind of Britpop era. You know, I learned guitar to Oasis songs. It's uh, But that's what I had. That's pretty much it. Right. That's, what, that's all anyone really had in my town. And then, I, and so until that point as well, until I moved to Glasgow to go to college, I was... Um, I wasn't singing. I wasn't. I wasn't a songwriter. I was just a guitar player. I was trying. I'm, I was a better player then than I am now. And then I found when I when I got there, like I found a bunch. of, First of all, a lot of Glasgow bands that I hadn't had access to, like Teenage Fan Club and the Delgados ah, nice. and Mogwai, Bell and Sebastian, and then found a lot of Americana, like Laura Cantrell and Ryan Adams and Wilco. That that all that started developing a sense of like. Oh, there's way more to music than I thought. Because it's very, you know, the bands that I mentioned when I was, you know, was listening to, it's all very masculine as well. Yeah. It's like a sort of like, it's not cock rock, but it's like a version of it. Yeah. You know, it's all very like swaggery. Oh, and, yeah. And then I found like a romance in music and a, a gentleness that I hadn't seen before or heard, sorry. So, yeah, it all went, you know, from a big hard dick. <laughs> into a nice it's just a gentle cuddle you know <laughs> did you get to, you you played Bonnaroo this year right no did I've never you? played Bonnaroo oh really no I I've never been Pearl Jam. that's the only time I've ever seen them yeah I feel like I've seen you guys at so many festivals it kind of like blends it, there's there's too many festivals there's too many. now there's yeah. too many I saw Pearl Jam once and it was I was 17 blew my mind and I told myself at the end of that show I never want to see them again yeah, that, that was perfect. I don't yeah, want yeah. to ruin it, and I don't. I don't want to see them again. Yeah, no, that's a good. Yeah, that's good to recognize that at such a young age. Yeah, it was great. It was just like they played everything I wanted them to. Like I have no reason to hear anything that they've done since. Just that memory lives on nice. untarnished. Locked in. Yeah, I love. I love Magui. I still. They still are putting out such amazing records. Yeah, it's. It, I just. You know when you kind of. When you invented something, you have carte blanche to do what you want with it. Yeah. And I think that's just like the pleasure of being in Mogwai must be, it must be so fun. Yeah. Like, like they're another band where you listen to it and you're like, this music is so intense. And then like you read an interview with them and it's oh. like, they're like, yeah, we're just at the bar fucking around. Like, you're like, what, really? <laughs> oh yeah, Mogwai are always at the bar fucking yeah. around. <laughs> One of them owns a bar. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, I think that's, I think that's a very kind of Scottish thing as well where we're like, we're. There's a there's a drama and a morose aspect to the music, but like everyone within the community are, you know, they're just going back to what I was saying earlier, drinking buddies. Yeah. Um, which makes it a very tight knit community. It's really nice. Like it's really supportive. Like I don't think there's very much. I don't know if you find it in other industries as well, where there's like there's like bitterness, competitiveness that doesn't really apply there. Uh, for whatever reason, I think just everyone's proud that if someone who's making something 
out of Scotland becomes successful and it's probably because you're not good. the biggest dog, you know, like no, yeah, there's exactly. definitely a smaller community. I've noticed that in other places. I went to school in Providence and there was a good music scene and it was the same way. It was very supportive. Mm. You know, we always we used to go up to Boston for shows and it seemed like the opposite. You know, right? And, yeah, and what? I mean, Boston's not a great, it's not a big town, but at that time, it was a there was a pretty big music scene. I, I guess think. that's similar to the punk rock. Like you were talking about that kind of like, you know, the skater punk thing. That seems like a really supportive community yeah, as well. Yeah, it is. But I do feel like what you're saying about small town, like I feel like New York and LA sometimes like someone gets something and like everyone's like, I should have gotten that. Like you're getting it and then <laughs> yeah. I'm not. And I feel like I would start to, they're like, so-and-so's dating some super mom. I'm like, oh, I'm like, this girl will never date. You're like, <laughs> not taking it away from me. Or like, you know what I mean? But it's this weird instinct where like, yeah? you want to be, you should be happy for someone, not like, and I think in acting and stuff, it's like, or modeling, it's like brutal like yeah, that. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't didn't Mike Birbiglia just make a movie about that kind of thing? Yeah, where that, uh, don't think twice. Don't think I saw twice. It. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's I, great. I really want to see really it. Good. I've heard it's great. It's really good. But it's about that competitive. Yeah. So one it's of them about, gets a job. It's about on, SNL, basically. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. sister's on SNL, right? Yeah. So it's like I went with her, and uh, I was like, I was like, is this? And she's like, yes. It's like he did a really good job, and right? Okay. Mike, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's a great movie. But yeah, that's the whole crux. Yeah, in comedy especially, I can only imagine. Like everyone's sort of friends but everyone's sort of competing against each other yeah those those backstage like well specifically when i play in largo like the, everyone's back in a room there and they're it's funny but it's also like a little bit like are you guys really listening to each other or are you just like getting warmed up here you know there's like a sort of a very like right i could feel competition right yeah in the air or something um and that happens in in, in music sometimes you know where you're like pfft what the hell are those guys doing here? Totally. Why, why are they higher on the bill than us? <laughs> right. But not if it was a Scottish band. I wouldn't care. It's like, <laughs> music's yeah, more objective and comedy, it's like who gets the most laughs wins. You know what I mean? With music, it's not that way. It's not. You get half the people in the crowd are going to like the first band. Half the people are going to like the second band. It's like, it's more like, that's why it's, I think that's why comedy is Well, you're also like, like part of a team. Yeah. You know, so there's a support network or something yeah. where you're like a gang. Yeah. And that can that's quite a protective thing. But if you're on your own, yeah. standing in front of people and it's terrifying. You know, you're clearly not getting as many laughs as the person who was before you, then that's awful. Yeah. That's got to feel <laughs> awful. But I mean, like, I feel like you sort of do both because you have this band and then you'll come out and play songs by yourself in between. I mean, to me, like, that must be just a weird dynamic shift to like have all those guys kind of backing you up and then be like, Wait, what happened? It, well, no, I like it. You I, like I it? actually really no. I I mean, I started the band my the band myself. You know, I was I, I did that for a few months when I had some songs and I was just actually kind of I can't really associate with this guy who used to play these songs and would make them up in front of an audience. Like I would, I wouldn't even have the lyrics figured out in my head, and I'd just go and try them out. Really? I don't know. I no. It's it's awful. I don't know who that guy is, but it's nothing like. He's nothing like me now. He's had maybe some it's balls. That, maybe, well, it's maybe the same guy that was stealing drinks from bars. Right. You, know, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, balls. Um, so I, I I never, I've never felt that afraid on stage. I've never felt afraid like uh, much more afraid of a party where I don't know anyone and I have to socialize. That's uh, that sounds like an awful thing. yeah. But I'm 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 really comfortable especially in a room with people like i come to realize you know 
all these people are on my side. Yeah, like, yeah, that's I'd have true. to do something terrible to fuck this up, you know. <laughs> and if I do something well, then hell, this is gonna work. It's gonna really work. And, and uh, no, it's, I, I think that's kind of what I try and do with an audience. Is like, you know, make them feel like we're kind of in it together, and that means that they're they're willing you to succeed as well, right. you know, rather than there being I think I've seen quite confrontational performers and that's got something to it as well but like I I try and do the opposite of that yeah yeah, yeah. it's hard that just makes me nervous it does doesn't I saw, it I saw like Badly Drawn Boy or something and some guy Ooh, was talking yeah. in the back of the room and he threw his guitar down and got in this guy's face and you're just like what's gonna happen <laughs> like yeah it's not nice to watch no, really no. it's not um, enjoyable for anybody well I enjoy I actually mentioned Savages before like the, the, their singer is really Actually, I enjoy that. Like she is way the fuck in your face. Yeah. Um. But something like someone's essentially just being drunk and misbehaving. Right. That's not so comfortable. Right. 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 <laughs> I've seen him do that too. Really. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think that kind of ended him. Yeah. Because I like, made he made great records. Yeah. But his live shows were like just known for being a fucking mess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but savages. I think it's everyone's it's intense but i feel like everyone's kind of on board i think so like, yeah, yeah. You, you, it, it 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 makes sense in the in that yeah but um yeah I, i'm not i'm more of a warm hug kind of guy <laughs> than that i just don't have the demeanor or the haircut <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah viva scotland yes um Thank you so much to Scott for coming by. Um, if you haven't checked out Fret and Rabbit, their latest record, as I said earlier, Pain of a Panic Attack, was my number one record of 2016. Yeah. Do you want to know some of my other, my other top records? Oh, uh, yeah. We want to put it into... I into- made a list for the talk house, and I can't remember it, but I, I mean, I sort of remember. It was the Against Me record, mm-hmm. Shapeshift With Me, Touche More, Stage 4, um, the Connor Roberts record, Ruminations, uh, The Falcon... Um, gather up the chaps. That was great. I believe the John Sampson record. Um, trailing off here, the No Effects record. <laughs> yeah, dude, first ditch <laughs> effort. It's one of the best No Effects records I've heard in years. Yeah, I really love that one. Um, and then I think a couple other just sad, depressing records to kind of even out the pop punk. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't mention those. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, but yeah, you can find that in the talk house. I've, I've been writing for the talk house. If you want to check that out. I also recently, not recently, but I did a podcast with my sister, Vanessa at the Sono store for the talk house. And Brad was there. Yeah, I was, I was sitting on the other side of the glass watching for the holidays. It was funny. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, yeah, we gotta get Vanessa back on the podcast. We gotta get her yeah, over it's here. It's been a while. It has been a while. We should get her on as a guest instead of just a We should. Host. You know what? We will. We will get my sister Vanessa back on the podcast very soon as a guest. And we will talk about 90 sitcoms. <laughs> and it will be very entertaining for us. It will, I guarantee it'll be, it'll, it'll be entertaining for me to watch yeah, the true. bears go at it with each other. It's true. Once again. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, if you want to make sure we make it that far, why don't you donate? Um, we have our Venmo account. We have a Venmo account. Um, it's off track. And it's Brad Worrell is a name, and you can donate any amount of money. And this money is not going to be 
gambled away in Las Vegas, <laughs> spent on strippers, spent on illegal drugs like cocaine, um, hotel suites at the Bellagio. <laughs> that is not where this money's going to go. It'll be spent on servers. This will be spent and spinning fans on our servers, digital storage, <laughs> spinning fans, digital storage. This will help us keep all every episode, all two hundred forty something episodes of Garner Track available to you for free at all times. And if there's some money left over, maybe we can buy a mushy onion with it. <laughs> um, if you can't afford that, that's cool. Uh, you can uh, leave us a nice comment on iTunes. Subscribing to the podcast is good. I think if we ever want to get an advertiser, if you have more subscribers, that's a good thing. <laughs> so at some point that might be helpful. Yeah. And then you don't have to keep checking when the next one's up. If you're, you know, if you have a huge... Uh social media account with like millions of followers you should talk about us yeah once a day yeah if you have yeah my social media account i feel like um you have millions of followers i have six million followers (laughs) (laughs) brad brad has at least twice that yeah but you know i've been at it for since the 80s yeah well (laughs) let's see where we're at with going off tracks account i bet you what do you think I bet you we have 5,000 followers. We oh, have on the Twitter account? 1,268. Okay, <laughs> I overshot that one a little bit. We're only following 67 people, though. Uh, okay. It's good. So, it's yeah, good let's get yourself. that up. Let's get that up to 1,300. Yeah, come I mean, on. We're averaging about what? Like, Before they shut it down. We're averaging about 250 people a year. You know that they're talking about shutting down Twitter. No, I didn't. It's, well, it's just, it's in dire straits, that company. Really? Yeah, it loses money. I gotta People be honest. People thinking that, like, somebody's gonna buy it and, like, you know, turn it to more evil than it gets used for now. I gotta be honest. If Twitter didn't exist, I wouldn't care. Yeah. I wouldn't care either way. Yeah. Part of me thinks it would be kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's good. I think it's... There would be, I mean... I think know. it's good... Like, you know, if you live somewhere where, like, fucked up shit's happening and you can have a live. But I feel like now you have, like, Facebook Live. You have, like, you can do live videos on Instagram. I feel like there's enough ways to document that stuff. Yeah, and it's not really being used for what it's good for. Yeah, I I deactivated my Facebook because I was just like, I don't want to see people, uninformed people, argue about politics. Right. Like, I'd rather listen to NPR or read something written by, like, a professional. It's just there's so much noise. Yeah. There's so much noise it's you're trying noise. to filter out, and I feel like there's, I don't know. We're raising a generation of internet trolls. True that. <laughs> on that note. On that note. On that super upbeat note. Uh Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Scott for coming by. Sorry for the self-righteous rant. And we will be back next week with a podcast, maybe from uh, someone from Saturday Night Live, not my sister, but maybe someone involved with the band. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Wow. You'll have to tune in next week to see. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.